0: Money starts right
1: now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, David Seberg and Steve Grasso. Tonight on Fast Banks ending the day lower after flying high early today. And the action could be pointing to more trouble ahead for the group. We'll explain. Plus, the Bitcoin bloodbath rages on with the cryptocurrency well below 6,000 right now. So what does the man who said it is heading to 50,000 say now? You will not believe his answer. But first, we start with the markets. The Dow starting the day out with a rally but sinking into the close ending at the lows of the day just up 50 points the Dow closing out the first half of the year in negative territory but the S&P 500 is still positive for the year and the Nasdaq closing its eighth consecutive quarter in the green and let's take a look at some of the biggest winners so far this year Netflix, a double, up more than 100%. Micron, one of the best in the show for the S&P 500, up 28%. Over in the Dow, Nike is the best-performing stock this year, up 27%. And Visa, second in line, up 16%. So do you stick with the winners? As we head into the second half of the year, we thought it'd be the perfect time to play what else? We love games, Mel. A game of trade it or fade it. And you guys remember the rules, right? You're buying it. You're trading it. Mm. You're fading it. That means you're selling. So it. You logical. Got it. Yeah. All right. Although Tim. Tr-
2: trading it could mean that- no, no, no. no oh, further sorry. discussion. That's <laughs> all you need to anybody. know. Here Netflix we go. is Whoops. the
1: first stock. Tim, you kick it off.
2: Um, okay, Netflix. You know, ultimately, I think this is a case where the company, to me, has had a heroic run, up almost 100 percent. As you know, as, as I've said and as I've been wrong, I, I think the valuation is not supported here. I don't think they have the kind of moat around their business that people believe that they do. Um, I think competition is coming from all the usual players. But, but again, I, I can't put Netflix down. I just say that after this kind of move, this has been – this has been parabolic. No, I'm, I'm fading it. Sorry, it took me a long time
3: to get that
1: out Anybody there. trading it? You're trading it, right? uh, Yeah, I'm
3: trading it. Th- I'm very constructive on Netflix, and I have been for a long time. Look, I think this story is hitting every metric, every metric essentially that a growth manager wants to see them hit in order for the stock to continue to work. So I'm a buyer here. I continue to be a buyer.
4: I, I, would, I would trade it too. and kudos to Dave. He, he, is, he was on this right from the start. i got to yeah. give you a little respect on that one. Um, it, the big move, though, for me is whether or not this is going to be a China trade, because it's not one, but it traded with the China trade. So it was a pseudo China trade. Well, that, like, no. you, guys, you, guys can, you guys can hug this one out at another
2: time. <laughs> the bottom line yeah. here is everybody is priced in perfection for these guys. And what's been imputed by Disney and Fox and Comcast is that Netflix is so far ahead of everybody else and that they actually don't even need content. Right, but the they problem are. is Ooh, hang on one did. second.
4: Wait, 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 wait. They priced in perfection, though, a couple of times, multiple hundreds of dollars lower than here. And you started off. The, the show the right way. You said that you had been wrong on the wow. valuation. that what we're doing this on is Friday this, afternoon? Yeah, I'm being nice about I'm being nice I
1: think, the, it, bigger, but I think <laughs> the bigger question, though, and Gracie, you alluded to this, is that it, with the China trade, we've seen tech stocks, particularly right. the high-flying ones, like a Netflix being the ATM, exactly. for those downdraft days. And so the question is, are we going to continue to see there's that sort of pattern? And doesn't that factor into whether you trade Netflix or fade Netflix?
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a tough one. We're halfway through the year. It's up 100%. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's Just remember, you know, a guy who made 100% on it four years ago Carl Icahn, sold it $300 ago. This has been an impossible, impossible stock. I think the fundamental bear case makes a lot of sense, and I think some of the M&A that we've seen in media may accelerate that. But to Steve's point, yeah. it's you know it's been that same bear case for three years now. It's going to happen at some point. But it's, just not, is, but yeah. it's not a trade war it's stock, and I know no, we've had that discussion. discussion. Stock. So no, I, no.
2: I, I actually think in in the rancor, which I think gets worse, actually right. into July it's, on the trade front, I, the, it's the stock not a hasn't trade war started.
1: stock and that there's no exposure to any countries, but yet Yet when there are trade war worries and the markets pull back, tech is usually...
2: And and a a stock that's up 100% is vulnerable. So just to be clear, my point is that fundamentally, they should not be taken down by a trade war conversation.
1: Micron's the next stock. Trade it or fade it?
4: Grasso. So this is one that uh, I would fade it. I'm sorry, I would trade it at this point. I'm so confused. It's so, say so, yeah, you're so himself. sure about this. Woo! So it, this has been a range-bound trade. And for me, I look at it as I overlap DRAM prices with Micron. And if you watch it, they trade in tandem with each other. So we're at the lower end of the trading range. DRAM has flattened out. You saw Micron come in to meet DRAM. I do think it's a sideways trade, but I think it's at the lower end of the trade range. So I would trade it.
5: I would buy it for a pop.
1: Now, this could be a trade war stock potentially. Yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, I think right? it gets
5: in both places. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's also one that has unusually high sentiment, and the stock doesn't act well. Two times this year, they reported a beat and raise quarter uh, back in March and then just a couple weeks ago, and the stock does not rally in those things. And just talking about the range, you know, we know that this is a 7 8 you know, multiple stock here, um, what 45. Should we put up? What's that? Just
1: trade it or fade
5: it? I don't know. Play the game, fade Dan. Come on. <laughs> come on. But uh, you know, I mean, to fade me, it. to he my eye, the bottom it. end of the range is really 45. If oh.
2: I, I think that. you yeah. have to fade it, and it's not because of the valuation. I think the valuation makes sense. I think it's a great company. I think the semis continue to be in the eye of the storm right now, and I think fundamentally they were probably overbought. So you add those two up. I think it's going to be choppy for Micron.
3: But I, I would fade, fade it here as well. I would fade it here as well for for the short term. I thought I said it In case I didn't because I think you'll get cheaper levels to buy, but the long-term trend here for me, I would be a buyer for a long-term for a long-term investor.
4: I mean, this is a solid bounce zone. So I, I, I can't... Are you still trading? Are you, are you still is clear is, on yeah, what I'm you're saying? I'm, and still, trading. I'm you're still trading. trading. I'm still trading. It's an I'll easy game, it, guys. It. I'm not denying okay. as Guy Adami would say, right. but this is right at the support level in the stock. We're right at the 100-day moving average. We're right at a FIB retracement. If it's going to pop, it's got to pop right here or else maybe you could see 45.
1: All right, next stock, Nike, David Seberg.
3: Uh, Nike, so in full disclosure, I, I got this wrong as far as saying I wouldn't be a buyer at lower levels uh, <laughs> You know, several months ago. But look, here, up here at $81, I would be a seller, fade it fade the stock up here. In my opinion, a lot of the good news is priced in. There's no real catalyst for another three to four months. And and basically, I think China, the, the trade issues are an overhang here. 30 percent of the revenues do come from China. There is exposure there. And this will be a name that they do sell off if there's any sort of retaliation.
2: I think the consumer channel right now in China is not uh, as vulnerable as the other parts of the industrial chain, certainly the technology chain. So, David, I, I appreciate your acknowledgement it's been a tough trade for you. Let's call Nike uh, your version of my Netflix. It's the one I got No, wrong. but, but I think, I think to, fine. To your point, though, for a long time, I think you were right. Adidas was a better right. call. Nike was losing to the competition. I think Nike's got their house in order. I think North America's better. North American Apparel is 32% of North America. That's better. I talked about last night. The the sequential margins in North America on the growth side are up almost 900 basis points, quarter over quarter. That's very important. But it's still a U.S. Did you business. trim your
1: position at all today? No, I haven't touched it. All night. right. Uh, last stock here, Visa. Dan, trade it or fade it? Yeah, so this is
5: one that hasn't had a parabolic move. It's up 16% of the year. It's up about 40% from its 52-week lows. And on a PE to growth level, it's actually pretty reasonable. So this is one where I'm going to say trade it. But if you look at that breakout level um, from late April, is about 127. I think there's a lot of stocks where there's a lot of positive sentiment, where there's evaluation support, there's growth support, there's secular trend support, that you're going to get to come back your way a little bit at those prior breakout levels. So this is not one I'm saying, buy it right here. But I think... You know, between 127 and here is where you want to get back into this position. That's I think something.
4: you could actually buy it right here. When I look at the long-term chart on this, this is slow and steady Which on cruise control. Tra- buy it. Tra- trade it. Yeah. What did I, what I just say? You
1: didn't say anything. I yeah, thought yeah. I said
4: trade it. I thought you said you could buy it. Oh, you want me to stick with the trade? trade, for, trade yes. Right. Hey, this is how you do it. Trade it. I like Visa because I think exactly the, they're actually think in a great place. this is part play. of the fun of the game. I mean, that but, we have no uh, clue what we're doing. This no. would <laughs> be a buy for me. If you go straight well, and steady yourself. I'm not talking about trading. I'm talking I'm, about the, the terminology here. This is I a slow and steady about. from the lower left to all the right. upper right that you can get. I would be a buyer of Visa. I, I'm, I'm a
3: buyer as well. I think it is a slow. You would is, trade it, it as, is. as well. I'm a trader. I'm a trader. i trade it. <laughs> uh, look, the consumer is strong, super strong. It's going to continue. This is a name you could buy and hold forever and give to your grandkids. This is a stock that's going to continue to work.
2: We could do a trade school on no, trade or fated. It would be way
1: yeah. too complicated. But we'll or, or, yeah. Coming up. <laughs> coming up. Should. The bank's showing signs of life today before selling off. One trader says the move is a bad sign of what is to come. He will explain. Plus, it's a Bitcoin bloodbath. The cryptocurrency getting crushed this week. But a top Bitcoin watcher says a turnaround is near. You won't believe how high he sees it going. And later, this chart does not look pretty. But the chart master says it's so bad, it might be good. He'll explain why he's pressing the buy button. Trading it, not fading it. <laughs> We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Bitcoin bloodbath continues as the cryptocurrency is stuck below 6,000. Can crypto traders expect more new lows over the weekend? Our Sima Modi joins us live from the New York Stock Exchange with more. Hi, Seema.
0: Melissa, Bitcoin continues its sleep, steep slide down more than 20% in the month of June, falling below $6,000 and trading right around an eight-month low. And this comes as Bitcoin futures contracts expires today. Remember, the CME is the largest Bitcoin derivatives exchange, and analysts say previous expirations have resulted in a Bitcoin sell-off. In fact, Bitcoin has fallen 18 percent on average in the 10 days preceding each expiration. That, according to Fundstrat. And we've already seen Volume in Bitcoin futures dropped 30% month over month at the CME, but we've only had a few months of data to go by. Now, this comes despite a string of bullish headlines this week, including Circle, the blockchain startup backed by Goldman Sachs, supporting a 30% rise in new institutional clients over last month, Facebook reversing its ban on crypto ads, and a top venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz launching a $300 million crypto fund. But a number of obstacles have paved a rocky path for the cryptocurrency lately, from stories of fraud, digital wallets being stolen, and regulators sounding the alarm. Plus, there's still ongoing uncertainty around how the SEC will decide to regulate the ICO market. For the year, Bitcoin has now plummeted about 60 percent, and crypto hedge fund ARCA funds telling me he expects Bitcoin to continue to drift lower going into the second half of the year, citing the sell-off, In Asian stocks. They say that that could cause investors overseas to take a more risk off approach to trading cryptocurrencies. And Melissa, we know the Asian investor is important, making up a substantial amount of total cryptocurrency volume. Back to you. All
1: right. Seema, thank you. Seema Modi at the NYSE. So, despite the Bitcoin declines, our next guest is sticking with his super bullish forecast. Take a listen to what he told us here on Fast back in May. You've got a stunning Bitcoin forecast. Where do you see it going?
7: 50,000 by the end of the year.
1: By the end of the year. Correct. Let's welcome back Arthur Hayes, the co-founder and CEO of BitMEX, the Bitcoin mercantile exchange, which is the largest crypto trading exchange by volume. All right, Arthur, we're halfway through the year. Do you stand by 50K?
7: Absolutely. Why? Well, I think that something that goes up to 20,000 in one year can have a correction down to around about 6,000. I think we could definitely find a bottom in the $3,000 to $5,000 range. But we're one positive regulatory decision away, maybe an ETF, Um, you know, approved by the SEC to climbing through 20,000 and even to 50,000 by by the end of the year.
1: What have you seen in terms of volume on your exchange and and just sort of trading patterns as we are here below 6,000?
7: Well, for us, we do good volume on up days and even better volume on aggressive down days. So in 2018, we've actually tripled what we did in 2017 already. So we're having a great year.
1: You're also, you also extend leverage to clients, as I understand it? Yes. Have you had many margin calls? Or what's sort of the status of, of how much leverage you can give out these days with Bitcoin below 6,000 and whether people are getting tapped on their shoulders? <laughs>
7: well, we offer uh, up to 100x leverage. Um, 100x. Yes. Most clients don't use that much leverage. And, you know, there are people who do, who do get liquidated every day.
2: Arthur, when you were last on the show, I got the sense that 50000 was really – you were throwing darts not because you don't know what's going on in the sector, but all you really care about is volatility. I mean, you, you run a, an area where people are trading. That's, that's the core of your platform. Isn't that really what it comes down to?
7: And isn't that slowly changing as more institutions get involved? So the volatility has actually dropped as the price has dropped, which is actually a problem because if you're investing in Bitcoin, it's essentially a call option. You want as much volatility as possible to have as much chance that Bitcoin goes to 50,000, 100,000, 1 million, whatever that high number is. So, as volatility drops and the price drops, it actually is a bad thing for the market, especially since it's only about a 200 200 billion market cap asset, which is de minimis in the grand scheme of things. And is that a trend that continues, though? In other words, it sounds like
2: you think it's going to completely reverse based upon one or two catalysts.
7: Absolutely, because in 2013 to 2015, we went from 1,200 to 200, from 2015 to 2017, 200 to 20,000. So we've done these sort of moves before. Mm -hmm. I think the time span is going to shorten because you have many more people involved in the market and who have invested capital and resources to be able to trade this asset class. And so now that we have more visibility, more people talking about it, the time between an aggressive bear market and an aggressive bull market, I think, is going to shorten. We just had a very, very good news. I mean, just came out on Ethereum When we heard some commentary from the
3: SEC about Ethereum not being a security, not being deemed a security. And, you know, BK was on the show that night and BK made a point in saying this is big, big news. And, you know, I think we discussed a little bit on the show, like, if that can't turn Ethereum or can't make at least a little bit more bullish case there to get it moving in the right direction, Like, what can, right? So we saw Ethereum sell off. It's right now near the low. So same thing with Bitcoin. If they do come up with an ETF or whatever the catalyst you're suggesting,
7: what makes you so convinced that it's going to actually have that kind of impact on on Bitcoin? Well, a sort of thing like an ETF actually brings real money to the table right then and there. Um, As when the primary dealers have to go and get inventory, um, there will be subscriptions for real money to buy the asset. The SEC proclaiming that Ether is now a utility token and is not a security doesn't actually mean that any new money is going to enter the market. It just means that people who hold Ether feel better about that decision.
1: I mean, ETF would make the friction of buying Bitcoin or crypto much, much less, right? If you can just go on to TD Ameritrade or whatever platform you use and do it. I'm I'm curious, Arthur, in terms of the decline that we've seen in Bitcoin, do you feel like it is is tied to what we've seen in the Asian markets in terms of we're in a bear bear market in Shanghai, a lot of um, volume came from Asia, and me, and they were using a lot of leverage to buy stocks themselves. So they could be getting taps on the shoulder there and selling their crypto in order to pay that off.
7: Well, I think that sometimes, maybe in 2017, a falling uh, uh, a falling yuan actually was a signal that Chinese people were trying to get money out of China and bullish for crypto. So I'm not exactly sure that this time around
5: it could be different.
1: All right, 50K, Arthur. I'm sure we'll check in with you <laughs> before the end of the year. Yeah, Arthur Thank a you. Next. Right.
5: Here, here's the most bullish thing that happened Seema just mentioned that Andreessen Horowitz, the famed uh, venture capital firm, launched a $300 million fund this year investing in crypto. That's what you're, you have to see. And the fund, you know, when you have digital currencies down 70% from those highs, right. these guys are not balking. They've been there from the get go. Okay. Union Square Ventures is doing the same thing, investing in these sorts of things. So that's the most bullish thing that's going on right now, in my friend.
1: All right, breaking news out of DC. Let's get to Kayla Tausche for the details. Kayla.
0: Melissa, the president confirming that he will announce his pick for the Supreme Court on Monday, July 9th. He said he plans to interview candidates, one or two candidates, this weekend at his uh, resort in Bedminster, New Jersey. He says he's currently narrowed down the list to about five, and that list includes two women. Asked whether he would ask those uh, potential candidates uh, what they believe on Roe versus Wade. He said, I'm not going to ask them that question. Uh, Interestingly, based on those reports overnight in Axios that he is planning or suggesting potentially withdrawing from the WTO, the president said he's not planning to pull out of the WTO, but that the u.s needs to be treated more fairly but the big headline melissa the president will announce his pick for the supreme court to replace justice kennedy who uh, who retires at the end of july on july 9th back to you
1: kayla thank you kayla tashi in washington dc and grasso of course this lines up for um, a confirmation process that can start as soon as possible which is key for the midterm elections
4: it is key and if you look back remember those data points 21 percent of the people who voted for president trump Voted for him because he knew he was going to have to make a Supreme Court nominee. So this is a hot topic for him, for his constituents, for people that follow him, and people that voted for him. So he has a lot riding on this.
1: Coming up, financial showing signs of life today before selling off. Dan Nathan here says there's one name that's heading for a breakdown. He'll explain what's got him so worried. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Our
6: house and our-
7: the housing trade is getting demolished.
6: But there's one stock the chartmaster says
7: that looks so bad, it's good. Plus, I'm on a to hell. and one trader thinks that's exactly the road Tesla stock is traveling. He'll tell us how low he sees the high flying stock going. Much
5: more fast money right after this.
6: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Financial's in focus today as the big banks have nothing to stress about, with 34 out of 35 firms passing the Fed's key hurdle, with Wells Fargo the biggest winner on the day. But it wasn't all rosy as the Fed flunked Deutsche Bank's U.S. unit. Wilfred Frost sat down exclusively with their new CEO, Christian Seving. Here's what he had to say.
4: I think uh, we have shown that from a uh robustness from a solidity of the bank. We have shown strong results in the quantitative stress test a week ago. We are very happy about this because there was a lot of work which we have put into this one. And we know that on the control side, we had deficiencies. We have done good progress and we are completely committed to work with the authorities to get that even better right over the next year.
1: So should we be a believer in Deutsche Bank or is it Uh, A warning sign here, the fact that it failed the stress test.
4: It's kind of hard to still be, either you believe it's going out of business, which I don't think many believe it's going out of business, down 44%. So if you're, it's it's kind of like betting against the $2 number. If you think that financials are going to be challenged, and specifically Deutsche Bank is going to be challenged, you don't really, I wouldn't short it, put it that way, but down 44% to take a flyer out on it, I think there's upside surprises yeah. a lot sooner than there are downside. Here's the deal, folks. I mean, Deutsche Bank systemically is a major institution globally
2: and absolutely isn't going anywhere. But their U.S. business, in terms of the operations that they run here in the U.S., and that's sales and trading, that's an investment banking business. You know, it's very, it's possible that this is a business that they decide that they don't need at some point. Ultimately, um, I'm not sure that that's a tell on the rest of the banking sector. I know people want to do that, but when I see Deutsche Bank going through difficulty on their own side, I think it's a Deutsche Bank problem.
1: All right, separately, though, we saw the financials trade horribly today. I mean, we had big gains. We were all sitting here. Most of us were sitting here last night. Not all of us. Not all of us, but many of us were sitting here looking at the CCAR results, seeing the banks trade up 1%, 2%, and they were not able to hold those gains today.
3: Let's go ahead. And I'm
1: not saying that it's a warning sign that something's wrong with them. I'm just saying that it's not good price action if you're an investor in the stock. <laughs> well, I mean,
3: look at the one that really outperformed. I mean, really, Wells Fargo. I mean, kicked it. I mean, it, it outperformed because of the buyback. The buyback was significant. Street was expecting 15 billion. They came in at 24 billion. It outsized what expectations were. I think, like, City was a was a great was a great um, you know sort of news you know headline for them. The stock didn't necessarily react to it because it was expected. I, I, to me, CCAR results came in as
2: expected. Possibly yeah. with with the exception of Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. So um, I don't think we should have rallied extraordinarily. What what was new? What what about the banks has changed? And I'll take that on the other side. I don't think I said this last night. I'm going to say it again. Six months, nothing's changed in the banking story other than a flat yield curve, which doesn't change the But the reason why they
4: rallied, though, originally, was we were down 13 days straight in the XLF. It was a pop. right? Right, right, right.
1: From banks to blazing hot temps, here comes the heat wave. Record high temperatures set to sweep across the country. We're talking as high as 110. It's going to be a scorcher this weekend and this week. So our traders have picked four red hot heat wave stocks. Tim, kick it off. Yeah,
2: I mean, the the ultimate. Let's go with Whirlpool, man. You're going to get in a nice cool room with a Whirlpool air conditioner. And I think this is a stock. It's the bottom end of the range on a two-year. I think there's concerns about margins. Uh, It's a very well-run company. And I actually think it's a great time to get in and cool off with a Whirlpool. Dan.
5: Yeah, I'm not going to use any cheesy metaphors or oh. anything like Tim just did. I'm just going to say that, you know, t- Target guess. is a stock that's up. Um, I didn't use a metaphor. Whatever. It was, anyway. it was atrocious, <laughs> it is, to be frank. <laughs> right, right. I think Target's going to break out this summer above 80, probably get back to the prior highs.
3: Uh, I'll make it quick. Burlington Resource, or Burlington Industries, B-U-R-L. I'm a buyer here. Uh, I mean, I think the street numbers are going to continue Process. higher over time.
1: Apple, great month, July for Apple. <laughs> All right, options action up after this. Uh,